City Council met last night for a marathon meeting covering a list of agenda items. The meeting began with a COVID update presented by Kira Ochoa. We are seeing definite decreases in case rates, which is wonderful. We are in the state of New Mexico, number two in the nation for the percentage of our population that has received at least one vaccine. And we've used a lot of our doses. We've used 93% of the doses that we've received in the state. So we can be very proud of that as a state. We've had um, 18.3% of our county residents at least partially vaccinated and 10%, 10 10.7% fully vaccinated. Following the report, Mayor Weber went on to disclose that based on information given to him by a mayor's briefing from the White House, national vaccine distribution will increase 57% in the coming weeks. How that will affect the number of doses received in New Mexico is yet to be seen. Councilman spoke of the importance of building vaccine sites in the 87507 area where residents might have limited access to transportation. The contested Midtown development sparked discussion between councilmen. Last month, the chosen developer for the project terminated negotiations between the city, citing the changing financial circumstances caused by the pandemic. The city has returned to discussion around plans for the land, considering whether to sell the land, sell it after some degree of utility development, or hold on to the land and develop it with city funds. A number of presentations have been planned through July as debate on the next steps for Midtown continue. The council is also planning for public engagement opportunities. Council members split hairs about amendments to a resolution calling for transparency around the city selling land. The amendment, sponsored by Councilwoman Joanne V. Hill-Coppler, differed only in its details from the amendment sponsored by Councilwoman Carol Romero-Wirth and Councilwoman Sig Lindell. Despite an agreement among councilmen on the need for a resolution protecting transparency, the amendment was sent back to committee. Councilman Garcia raised the urgency of passing a resolution as many city properties are slated to be listed for sale. And a request for approval to install energy-efficient lights passed with a unanimous vote. The project will replace streetlights in Santa Fe with energy-efficient LEDs. The streetlight update is much needed after many of the streetlights are failing and offering inefficient light source. Many raised concerns about the wattage and Kelvin levels interfering with light pollution. While the Department of Transportation requires a minimum level on state-owned roads, the city can determine appropriate light levels for roads within its jurisdiction. The council approved to mark this coming Monday as a day of remembrance for COVID victims. The council was unanimous in wanting to identify and honor the memory of those claimed by the pandemic. Mayor Weber also took a moment to say thanks to a longtime supporter of homeless individuals in our community. Joe Jordan Baroness plans to retire from his work at the Interfaith Community Shelter next month. And finally, a request to approve a $500,000 settlement with the estate of Tobin Williams was approved. 
Toby died tragically while working for the city as a mechanical structural apprentice. As the pandemic continues to wreak havoc on the personal finances of millions, some New Mexicans are facing the threat of eviction. For New Mexicans, a moratorium protects individuals who cannot pay rent due to the pandemic. There is no plan to lift this, although the federal moratorium issued by the Center for Disease Control expired January 31st. It hasn't been easy for landlords or tenants, as the moratorium allows tenants to shelter in place even if they cannot pay the rent. Between 2017 and 2019, Santa Fe's average rent topped $1,000, a 12% increase, with the projected current rate of even higher. With a household median income of less than $58,000 per year, per the 2019 census data, many residents spend a large percentage of income on housing. Section 8 allows tenants to pay rent using government-issued vouchers, but currently in Santa Fe, waiting lists for these programs are closed. So what options do tenants have if facing the threat of eviction? I spoke with artist and organizer at the Chainbreaker Collective, Yvette Serrano. Chainbreaker has been working on a few things since the pandemic hit. One of the things that we're excited about is our eviction protection hotline. We basically answer tenant questions that they might have, provide some tenant rights and other resources, information about the eviction moratorium. The number you can call is 505-577-5481. This hotline is run by Kathy Garcia, also part of the Chainbreaker Collective. A key to improving the reality of housing for people in Santa Fe could be the distribution of information. I spoke with UNM professor Elizabeth Alia about the sufficiency of what the government is offering in terms of assistance during these challenging times. It's always a question of supply, though. That, you know, the, the federal resources are just not enough, frankly. They're divided into so many different types of pots that it's really difficult, whether it's supporting public housing that already exists and operating funds or tenant-based vouchers. And then a smaller portion of that is for actual construction of new housing. Circumstances and lack of options have made it challenging for low-income folks to move or even have access to healthy, affordable living. The pandemic has definitely exacerbated the difficulty that tenants have, especially low-income tenants have, in finding good and healthy, affordable rental housing in northern New Mexico. I think that's an especially acute problem in Santa Fe because of the cost of housing in Santa Fe and the lack of supply generally. But even in other parts of northern New Mexico, there's still a, a real shortage of good quality affordable housing that is you know, up to code standards, things like that. And so the, the difficulties of the pandemic, both loss of income for low-income people and also just the difficulty of seeing properties and, and arranging for moves and things like that during this pandemic have really made it that much harder uh, for low-income people in particular. Is there any legislation Professor Aliyah is watching? There's one proposal right now. It's in a proposed bill in the legislative session. It's in House Bill 111 right now that would create a housing council, I think it's called, at the state level, where 
essentially we would have a, a group of people at the state level who could kind of be in charge of keeping track of all of the federal funds that are available to different agencies throughout the state and different counties and have a, a more kind of concerted plan or just, just general kind of awareness of what funds are out there and what funds could we potentially leverage more effectively to make sure that no federal funds are are ever returned or go unused, I think that would be a huge step in the right direction. While contacting your city council, house, or senate representative is always a great way to have your voice heard, I asked Serrano of Chainbreakers what individuals in a stable position can do to help their neighbors. Speaking to their neighbors and, and having these conversations, I think, amongst themselves, seeing how we can help each other and answer some of those questions. A lot of people are, you know, coming to us from referrals saying, oh, my neighbor told me about the hotline. I have some questions too. So I think that at least gets the conversation going. Again, the hotline at Chainbreakers is 505-577-5481. For KSFR, I'm Georgina Hahn.